2020 Network is brought to you by Interac. Speed is key for Canadian shoppers. Is your business keeping up? It can with Interact Flash. It's the platform that millions of Canadians use to check out quickly and securely. Learn more at interact.ca. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our holiday edition of Nthread. Here in studio, it's very exciting. I've got with me my two colleagues, Alex Patterson and Aaron Reynolds. Hello. Hello. Alex is back with us. It's this, good to be back. This guys. is really exciting. It's Seems nice. an appropriate way to celebrate a hundred episodes. On That's the right. Network. Well, yeah. you know what? I've I've been trying to jockey for Mike position on end thread, but I've <laughs> I, you know, happily, I've been told to get to the back of the line. You're on the roster. You've had yeah. well, you've had some awesome um, regular friends come right. through come through town here um, to to join you on end threads. So I'm. Um, because it's the holidays and you literally couldn't book anyone else. You, uh, <laughs> no way. Back. And I would like to say that Alex is wearing a stupendous um, holiday sweater. That's it's just it's lovely. Um, so, in the spirit of the festive season, and because we have just celebrated our hundredth episode, as we have mentioned, we're going to recap some 2018 highlights, not only from shows on the network, but in general in the news. What stood out to us as the most notable moments of 2018? So we'll start off with sort of a best of on the network and then flow into the top news of the year. Um, so first, I'm going to hand it over to uh, Aaron here, who's going to give us a, a brief explainer about why he chose the episode he did, and, and then we'll play a snippet of that. that right. Um, I chose Alex's interview with uh, Stephen Bechta, which was uh, actually, it was back in, when was that, June or July? It was Our the- studio looked a lot different, yeah. actually. We had, like, different mics. Um, we were we, just starting out. Like, I wasn't was here. Borrowed no, yeah, mics. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Borrowed mics. We were doing it on my on my laptop with uh, table stands. Um, really? It was, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It was great. Oh, that's um, great. It was us figuring out what we needed by making some episodes. Um, but I mean, the episode came out wonderfully. And I think my favorite thing about it is um, uh, Stephen Bechta is a, uh, a restaurateur here in Ottawa. He has a, a bunch of award-winning, wonderful restaurants. And um, I, like it's a given, he, his food is great. And uh, Alex had him on to talk about the passing of Anthony Bourdain, which is a thing that had uh, had just happened. And um, it was such a great lens into who Stephen Bechta is as a person. That's what I felt too. Yeah, his like his answers to your questions really let us understand what's important to him. And I particularly liked how he kept bringing everything back to like the fundamental value of sharing a meal and how yeah. you know how central to like the human condition that is. Mm-hmm. I also I loved what he t- he talked about like the the being in the restaurant industry and how it's this like group of uh, he he called it like a a, a a bunch of a bunch of misfits who found a place together who often work at alternate hours from the rest of the world. But then he talked extensively about support systems and the importance of mental health and I just I thought it was a fantastic interview, and I I really I I loved every second of it, and so you know thank you Alex for for bringing us that and for bringing that out in in the interview. Anthony seemed to be really really good at um, using food as a way to connect the dots to other things, um, and and so I'm I'm wondering you know where we 
you know, how valuable is that? Um, and where, uh, where we turn to, to get that now? Um, because I think it was a really valuable part of the conversation of using food as a means to talk about something else. Um, food is a bridge to people's culture. And when he traveled and when he filmed it, um, it was really insights into a, a broad um, diversity of people's lives and, and uh, individual experiences around the world. Uh, he was led by a curiosity that was unparalleled. And uh, there was no judgment as well. Like it was uh, truly pure uh, curiosity. And it allowed us as viewers to be able to, to have insights into those uh, cultures in a way that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. Food is so important to people, not only because uh, it sustains us uh, and that we go to it at least three, if not seven times a day uh, for nourishment, for energy, um, but it's, it's at the core of who we are. When we are born, we uh, get a smile, a hug, and a good meal right away. And we're, we're connected to that um, emotionally for the rest of our lives. We are constantly seeking to reinvent or recreate that first uh, moment that we are alive. Um, and so we do it through food uh, and through you know, connection. And there is no better place to connect than over the dinner table uh, as well. And he, he was able to tap into those, those deep emotions so, so well. Thank you for picking that episode. That was actually one of my favorite conversations I think I had on quality content this year. Stephen um, holds a really special place in the Ottawa uh, culinary community here. Um, when Anthony Bourdain passed, when you work in media, you always try to find like your local hook. And mm. sometimes those local hooks are kind of ridiculous. Like you're really stretching to try to make it, make it local. But – uh, Stephen did a really, really good job of, you know, he sort of had had run in the same circles um, as Anthony Bourdain could kind of give context for what he meant to the culinary scene in not only in New York, but increasingly around the world. Um, and we talked a lot about the, the concept of culinary diplomacy yeah, and how that, how sharing a meal, as you said, is not only a deeply human act, but it, it forms connections that sort of bridge cultural divides, which is, beautiful. Um, which is great. And, and, you know, he, uh, you know, kind of went to some emotional places. And so like really early on, you know, we had this high on quality content. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've been kind of like chasing that ever since. Yeah, no. Right? And so um, so it's really stuck with me. And uh, I, I, if you haven't listened to it, I would encourage you to go back and take a listen. I love when you said that Anthony um, talked about food better and more beautifully than anyone ever had um, and, and could do so and, and put it into words better than anyone else. Um, it wasn't that highfalutin kind of fluffy stuff. It was like the raw emotional components. Um, I hadn't thought about the, the whole, you know, the whole encompassing dining experience from the food to the wine. And he was, you know, he was kind of like the food and the wine is just a, a gateway into this larger experience that I want someone to have. And I mean, that's, that's like an art. That's an art. I mean, really, it is. So, and then the and the mental health component, something I care a lot about, and I just I thought it was uh, the ending too. The support systems in place, and and that we need to just shatter the stigma around it um, and get people talking. He was like, I love when my my employees come to me and say, I need help. I need I need some assistance. Like that that kind of leadership is is huge. So yeah, that was a winner. 
that was the one I think that when we finished that episode and I listened to it, I was like, this is going to work. We're, we're doing something like we're doing something great here. You yeah. know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pleased with what we are producing <laughs> as we, as we literally like lay train tracks. Oh, yes. It's like, it's like, I feel comfortable ordering all this equipment to build the actual studio. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause Steven Beck is here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butt in, um, with my favorite episode from explain like I'm five. So the winner for me goes to former CSIS director and national security advisor Dick Fadden and his interview breaking down and Aaron's interview with him breaking down CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. I think it says a lot more about who I am just picking this because I'm obsessed with things that are like really powerful, secretive and mysterious. Like I I think this stuff is fascinating. But anyway. I found it. I've, I found it really interesting about sort of like the inner workings of an organization that we know very little about, um, and that was something that uh, Aaron. I don't know if you remember this, but Dick had said like that um, he was he hopes that these kind of conversations happen more frequently because yes. he thinks that Canadians should know more about these kind of agencies. Yes, there's some level of secu- um, privacy and security that needs to take place, but we need to have more of these. These conversations, um, we see a lot about the FBI. We see a lot about MI5, you know, in the mainstream media, but we don't hear a lot about what Canada's up to. Um, and it leads people to believe that Canada's up to nothing. Yeah, you know, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. And his is, I think, one of the things he said to us afterwards was that he he wanted Canada to be just a little bit more concerned. Yes. With global, you know, with, with these kinds of global affairs. Yes. So I'm going to send you into a clip um, that's really interesting. It talks about him. It's really relevant, too. It talks about him and uh, it talks about what the sort of most prominent, most, most pressing threats to Canadian national security right now. How have threats to national security changed and, and how has CSIS changed with those threats? That is a very good question, and I think it's one that people underestimate. Um, prior to 9-11, mm-hmm. uh, the main threat was thought to be the Cold War. It was the Soviet Union and communist China. And most of the resources, not all, but the vast majority of the resources of not only Canada but of our close allies were focused on dealing with espionage. Okay. 9-11 represented uh, a tectonic shift in that. All of these agencies, both here and everywhere else in the world, had a substantively shift towards terrorism. And that may seem like you you just flip a switch, but the real difference is in the case of dealing with espionage by states, it's relatively controlled. Mm -hmm. You can identify who's in command. And after a while, everybody develops a modus operandi that you can can recognize. In the case of terrorism, non-state entities... There's no chain of command. They're all over the planet. They are very hard to predict. So it did require a significant shift in the way that people thought about that particular threat. That, I think, is one that remains with us. Uh, The other big shift that we've seen has been a technological one. It's been the advent of cyber threats and whatnot. But one of the characteristics, I think, today of the threats that we talk about is that they're all interrelated. Like Russia and China today uses cyber. Terrorists use cyber. Cyber is used by other states, so they're all interrelated. But the biggest shift today, I think, the biggest risk today is, on the one hand, cyber generally, cyber crime, Mm -hmm. and then cyber terrorism and cyber espionage. And I would say China and Russia, again, you know, they're clearly not our friends anymore, with terrorism remaining a very close third. Beyond all that, I I just honestly really enjoyed him. I enjoyed him as an interview. Um, He had, and the more I've read about him, 
the afterwards and and talk to people about him, the more I realized he is like so well respected among all sides of the political spectrum. He is um, very calm. I think when when he left, Aaron and I were like, "Okay, he's very calm and collected, <laughs> and that is exactly who you need to be informing the prime minister of." Like, yeah, yeah the there's a massive yep. you know threat yep. to our security, <laughs> yeah. but just like very even keeled. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny though, Sarah, because you at the at the top of of your intro there had said that um, you were fascinated by this subject because because of how like secretive it is. That's true. But the the thing that I took away from that episode um, was how – Dick Fadden didn't treat it as secretive. Yeah. He actually just treated it as like, well, it's a government department. Yeah. Um, it, it works with the following agencies. Yeah. It is accountable in the following ways. Here are the things that it does. Here's yes. how it functions. And it, it, it was very almost like bureaucratic in a yeah. sense, right? I mean, if we're really being honest, like the, 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 it's, the interviews aren't necessarily four or five year old, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But but what they but what they what it's intended to do is it's intended to pop that um, presumptive bubble that there is a shared um, floor of knowledge yes. for people right. that work in and around policy and or people that are just sort of curious in Canadian public affairs and, and public life, and so. For for uh, to to have Dick Fadden on and to basically just sort of not go through the motions because it was a very fascinating interview and like you said he he gets to um, some very you know concerning places um, but he almost treated like you know yeah so I mean here's how we're you know here's how we're structured and you know here's what our mandate is yeah. he treated that with the same sort of evenness as like reporting on global threats yes. and like how like next right. year's going to be a troubling year yeah. and like and so it, it did a really good job of I think kind of like democratizing that knowledge in a way mm-hmm. um, and I think you did a really good job in the interview it's, well, it's a hard thing yeah. to pretend to be dumb well, I think the thing is, I don't have to pretend. I just don't know these things, you know? I really am fascinated about, like, what his dinner party conversations are like, though, oh, yes. I gotta say. Like, uh, so, Dick, uh, you know, uh, what, what happened at work today? Well, um, a lot of conversations I can't talk about. You know what? I was, I was the most happy that, because my fear going into it was that we were going to repeatedly tread on things that we couldn't talk about, and really... We could talk about it as long as it wasn't about the details of something yeah, that like, was going on. Who's on could, your list? Yeah, but... we could talk about like the, how it functions. <laughs> it we just don't talk <laughs> okay. about the details of any files that are open. Right, right. it was great. Um, Alex, I'm going to throw it over to you now. Uh, tell us what tops your list. Uh, so I was asked to pick my favorite episode of N Thread um, for the year, and guys. <laughs> <laughs> And thread on a train, yeah. And thread on a train. And it was so. This is this is and thread um, number sixteen. This was uh, you find folks plus Mike Moffat. Um, We it just so happened that we needed the whole Canada 2020 team to get to Montreal to um, help out with global progress, which is this big international conference that Canada 2020 does. You know, we had the prime minister, prime minister Trudeau there, prime minister of Spain. We had uh, a lot of other sort of ministers from around the world gathering in Montreal. And it was this great content opportunity, but your travel schedules to get there overlapped with when you traditionally record mm. And thread and um, Aaron, ever the uh, ever ever the intrepid uh, sound <laughs> engineer, just sort of like, oh, we can record on the train. Well, we just do it on the train. No, we can yeah. do it on that. We yeah, can do it on, on the train. 
And uh, what followed, I think, was actually um, a really not only a really good conversation, but I liked that you pushed the boundaries of the sort of the, the sound uh, yes. soundscape yep. of 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 what we can do. And uh, we there was a version of that where it did not work. Oh yeah, right. Um, but <laughs> I I really really liked. Uh, the fact that you guys pushed yourself outside of the uh, studio here, and I like that we could. It was kind of like we proved to ourselves that we could do something a little bit riskier. And like I said, the the quality of the conversation I think was also really good. Like that episode, you talked about um, you talked about the floor crossing of uh, uh, Leona Alessiv yes. uh, from the Liberals to the yes. Conservatives. It's funny, like you. For me, the whole concept is interesting. You grow up being... If you're going to become a politician, you've probably grown up with those values of your party for a really long time. Like, you you know, you've you've had those values for a really long time. Just to suddenly switch, it feels a little artificial, right? I, yeah, I kind of enjoy it though. Like, like I grew up watching wrestling, and it feels like what, what they call a heel turn, where all of I was a, just gonna say a heel, heel turn, a yeah. total heel turn, where, where all of a sudden you know one of the good guys becomes a bad guy, or sort of vice, yeah. vice versa. So, right. yeah, it, it is unusual, you know. And the NDP were saying, well, this just proves that the, there's really not that much difference between the Liberals and Tories. Well, that they could make this move. there you go. Yeah. Actually, Maxime Bernier would would be able to sort of. Um, yeah, he was saying the same thing. I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that, but yeah. You would think that that would be a decision you wouldn't take particularly lightly. You talked about uh, the uh, Kavanaugh yep. uh, hearings. I mean, that was kind of like fever pitch at that point. That was. Um, uh, pre-confirmation. And then you also talked about um, the – there was a controversy that week where um, the the original, I believe, was the writer or creator of, of Bert and Ernie – so it was um, it was that uh, a a writer who had been writing for Sesame Street was asked the the big question of whether or not Ernie and Bert are gay. Yes. And he said that he always wrote them that way because that was how he contextualized them in his head. Like it's right. not anything that was explicitly there. It was just in his head they were because that would inform how they would interact with each other and their relationship. Right. And so and, and so Twitter reacted very calmly and yep. reasonably. <laughs> like it um, always yeah. does. Yeah. But and so so when I look at the 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 three things that you guys talked about, it, it did the thing that I think Nthread does really well, which is like, let's give you a bit of context for what happened in Canada this week. Um Let's talk about something that's going on globally, either mm-hmm. in the media or global politics or, or you know, just sort of making headlines around the world, in which case that was Kavanaugh. And then let's talk about something kind of a little weird where there's that intersection of culture and technology and and have an interesting conversation. And so I think, you know, it, it hit on all three of those things. It was very Canadian. I think you guys did a really good job. And it was one of my favorite episodes of Nthread for the year. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's all for us today, friends. Thanks for listening to our holiday edition of Nthread. Things to look forward to. Next week, we'll be airing the most popular, as in the most listened to episodes from 2018 from each show. It's pretty interesting, actually, to see which ones have, have done best. On Friday, the crew from today will be back at it again to chat about the top headlines of 2018. Before we head off, though, on our holidays, I've got my colleague Mira in the studio, and she's going to give you a rundown on how you can get involved in what we're doing at Canada 2020. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Hi, everyone. So um, big news, Canada 2020 just recently launched our internship program. So if you're interested in developing some practical experience in event planning, 
project management, communications, and even what goes into the production of our podcasts, this is for you. This is a paid internship beginning February 2019 for a minimum period of 12 weeks. You'll be working with the Canada 2020 team in our Ottawa office on a series of projects, events, and original research. So if you're interested, get your applications in by January 17th. That's great. We're looking forward to it. From all of us here at the 2020 Network and Canada 2020 at large, we wish you a very happy, healthy, and safe holiday break. Take care. For nearly 35 years, Interac has brought the most innovative payment technology to Canada. Today, Interac is building on its track record of innovation in some exciting new ways. Find out how they're changing the game at developer.interact.ca.